You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us for another Enneagram and Marriage podcast. Today, we're talking about sharing your light in a dark world, and I'm so glad we get to do this through the lens of the beautiful novel and Netflix portrayal of All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. I'm joined by Wes Harden, who is my husband and who also felt a profound effect of watching this series after I explained the book and the series to him, so we watched it together a second time and his first time, and it was such a great gift to sit through and watch somebody who was trying so hard to be brave and strong during the worst of times. And maybe you feel in your life right now that it's a very hard time and you need encouragement. And today's episode is frankly that to remind you of what is good, true, and beautiful, to set you straight back on track and to do that with you, right? Because I'm doing that same journey. But before we get to that, if you need the help in your marriage, don't forget the NES Summit is coming up March 5th through 7th. It's a free summit. It is in the show notes. And of course, you can do the upgraded paid option for the all access pass as well. But what the event is, is a conference that's virtual for you to process through all of the different pieces of your relationship, whether you're bored or lonely or just having so much conflict right now. And all these Enneagram teachers, myself included, have come together to share our expertise. So I'm grateful to be joined by therapists, Ashton Whitmire Ober, Sarah Jane Case, we have Suzanne Stabile, we have Jesse Eubanks, we have the wonderful Elizabeth Bennett, the type four we had on our show here. And we also have so many other speakers as well, including Tyler Zach and Jackie Brewster and just Danny Cooper, you name it. If they've been on this show and they're an Enneagram expert, it's almost certain that they're going to be attending or in most cases speaking. So I hope you can join. And like I said, just come for free and sign up now so you don't forget and you can get all the news or make sure you get the all access pass so you can get our bonuses and PDFs and all the things we like to do extra for those who are like, I need more of a plan. So grateful and know that as we try to share our lights and hope to share our lights, that one of the best ways we can do that is through this lens of saying, let's work directly so that if I'm with a peacemaker and I'm a protector or I'm an introvert who also tends to be a type two, but I'm self-prez, we can work with these different nuanced pieces and truly have a puzzle that now fits better. So as we're trying to figure out how to shine your light, don't forget to do that together. And that's all again, March 5th through 7th, find it in the show notes. Now, as we get started talking about relationships and shining our lights together, I thought it would be really cool to go over first just the ways that I see the big picture of the story because some of you haven't seen all the light we cannot see. So I'm just going to give you a big picture view and then we'll get into the nitty gritty with Wes. But the big picture view is that we're set in Saint-Malo, France, as well as some time in Paris and in a factory town in Germany all around the 1940s or so of just the early 1940s 
1940s and then around 1944 as the war was ending. And we're set in all these different spaces with two protagonists taking each chapter. We have Marie Lore, a young French woman who's blind. And then we also have Werner, who is a young boy in the... Um, German Hitler youth. And we have both of them sharing the tragedies of just life in this horrible time in history. And each of them has a story where, unfortunately, Werner is choosing to pursue his career. And he's coming from a foster home. And he's like, I have to achieve. And everyone is so proud of him in Germany that he's now making a name for himself. And we also have Marie Lore, this young French woman and her father and her uncle and her great aunt who are working with the French resistance and trying to make sure that they do anything and everything to stop the evils. So as you can see, we have somebody completely under the influence of unhealthy social psychology, Werner, and then somebody else who's able to say, okay, this is really tempting. We could just go with the enemy here, or we could rise up and do what's right. And there were so many people, guys, in this time period who did this. And one of my favorite books is The Hiding Place with Corey Ten Boom. And Oh my goodness, there's so many other great books that I have enjoyed. My brother and I share them sometimes, and he loves The Tattooist of Auschwitz, and I um, I really have a lot of favorites. So if you ever want to trade favorite World War II books with me, you can. But, uh, but this one is such a special story because I feel we don't often get to hear from somebody who is taken in by the Hitler Youth, and I actually think that Werner's story is my favorite of all. Uh, it is so tragic and sad to see somebody get taken in by evil and to become corrupt and then to find the light that most of us, uh, you know, hope to see. And, and of course, in times like this, you don't even know that he'll ever see it. And to watch him walk through these dark, dark times and to come to find that light and to come to find choice. It is so beautiful to watch and also so tragic. So that is all the good things of the Enneagram 4 space. If you're a 4, you're probably fawning with me now and maybe have already seen it or like, I absolutely have to read this or watch it. I will agree with you. If you have any 4 in you, you absolutely have to. France is a very decadent type 4 nation and this story is set there and you're going to love it. Um, but if not, it might be a great stretch for you anyway because yes, Wes has an arrow to 4, but he isn't a 4. He doesn't have a 4 wing and he loved it too. And it taught him things too. So I really want to encourage you to check this story out. As you can imagine, it also has these little pieces to make it more thrilling, like a, a Lord of the Rings-ish sort of uh, jewel that's got to be returned and gets thrown into the ocean at the end. And I had done a little research and saw that Anthony Dewar had some of his uh, notes from his earliest days of fantasy were from C.S. Lewis. And so I can see that element and I'm like, wait, what is that all about? But it doesn't detract from the beautiful main point, which is you feel like you're small sometimes. You feel like what you have doesn't matter, but it does. And so I just want you to know that please keep doing the good things. Please know that even if it feels insignificant or that you're humble or that nobody cares about your gifts, they do and you matter. And that's the whole point of this whole series was to let people know that every single life, however humble it is, has meaning. And uh, the blind girl being the protagonist whom everyone comes to life to protect 
fact is evidence of that. So never feel like you're not enough. And I know my, one of my, my second life verse is second Corinthians 12, nine about how our weak in our weaknesses, God's power is just seen. And you could just see that thread here so much when we allow ourselves to just admit, here's what I'm bad at. Here's what I'm good at and how we need a collective of everybody with our gifts so that no one is above each other. And we just show love and grace as we continue to pursue goodness, even in the face of death and evil. So let's talk to Wes about these concepts and more and even have some fun with typing main characters now. Hey, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today, Wes. Me too. It's good to be back. Yes, I am so happy we get to talk about this amazing series and book today. It was amazing. Yes. And before we get to that, I had such a fun Valentine's with you at Pure Bar especially. Uh. (laughs) I told this sure audience. Torture is more like it. A dad joke. <laughs> it so was cute. it was terrible, but it felt so good afterwards. We felt really alive and it was really a fun time. So so unique, you know. That's what definitely I definitely won't forget it. Of. Yes. And that's what I always want everyone here to hear. That sexual instinct is so important for shaking things up. You just have to move things around in your marriage and it just brings life. It's a creative sort of life energy that you get from moving things around in your marriage. So thank you. Thank you for <laughs> literally moving things around. <laughs> <laughs> Constantly thinking of new, crazy, fun things for us to do together. So Yes, I don't like to get bored. And so it meant the world to me that you did that. And also that you, I mean, I don't have it need for it to be physical like that. Like it was so fun that you said on one of our date nights that you would walk through this book and series with me. Yeah, well, I first <laughs> sat through you yeah. telling me the entire story. Yes. As we ate at this, we were at this French cafe around here. It's like authentic, like yeah. you're in Paris. This restaurant is so cool. Oh, good. With this uh, live accordion music playing and all these people talking, uh, speaking French around us and stuff. And so you're like, I got to tell you about this story I'm reading right now. <laughs> and so I heard the whole thing and I'm like, that actually sounds really good. So. Yes. Then you wanted to show me the series. Yes. And I really wouldn't read the book. Yes. I and he did read some of (laughs) the book. I don't give myself permission to do that, unfortunately. On the date night. I was just like, at this point, like talking is over. We press play on the audiobook and you were like, okay. (laughs) So but like you said, you don't have the time to go through it all. Um Yeah, we went out for ice cream after (laughs) Jenny's ice cream and you showed me the first chapter and I was just all in. Yes. This is is really quality. Yes. And I really wanted to share it here because if you haven't heard of this series, um, then it's a really good one for you and your partner to enjoy together on Netflix. Uh, And the music is cinematic. And oh, it's fantastic. The whole thing's a masterpiece. The photography. I love yeah. Mark Ruffalo as an actor. And then other actors were new to me, but uh, he's one of my favorite actors anyway. So I was like, all right, I can trust this cast. This is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, just so moving. So moving. So such a beautiful message and just a beautiful artistic piece. Like the cinematography is just unbelievable. Yeah. And um, really well written right mm-hmm. you know just thought out all this symbolism the theme is just amazing so 
Yes. Took like what four hours? Like they're like hour long episodes or something close to it. Yes, exactly. So we are ready for you to now jump into some questions with us. So thank you, Wes. All right, let's and do it. thank you guys for doing this with us. We'll type a few of the main characters at the end for those who are uh, also watching with us or going to read with us. So uh the first question is this I... set to thirteen ten. We want to make sure it's set to Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's the radio <laughs> station frequency on the show um and in the book. So anyway, oh my gosh. I I've already given you guys the preview for it before we came mm -hmm. on. But Wes, I want to talk to you about, because it's so profound, um, I think as the title says, all the light we cannot see, mm -hmm. um, it, it really applies to all the good acts so we do in our mm -hmm. lives um, and how when we do those good acts, mm -hmm. as even yeah. little as they are, I know author Anthony Doerr wanted us to know they matter. They do. Um, now, we know that this whole story, just as the title would help us to see, is all about the good deeds and the ways that we can help people if we just do the right thing, even though we're in a world of darkness. Mm -hmm. So how does that impact you when you hear that title, when you think about meaning? Oh, it's just such a clever title. And so rich. And of course, there's so many different ways that it's expressed in the movie. I love the idea of, you know, light being like uh, a, a way of expressing the good deeds that we do, like our lives. You know, Jesus says, let your light so shine before men. You know, don't hide it under a bushel basket. Let it be like a city on a hill. And and so in this in this movie, or I'm sorry, in the series, you see a lot of different people who are shining their light in their own ways. They're glowing in their own ways, you know, mm -hmm. some of them more obvious than others, some of them more visible than others. And the main character is this girl who is not able to see light, like visible light, because she's blind, mm -hmm. but yet she knows a lot about the goodness in the world and the light in the world. And so she, she, she shares that. Mm -hmm. She shares her light, even though she's not able to be seen by a lot of people because she's literally hiding out in this house mm -hmm. up up in the attic, essentially, yeah, uh, hiding behind this radio. Yeah. And she does these things that are literally saving so many lives and protecting the most precious treasure in all of France. And she's this unsuspecting little thing that nobody can see, you know? Yeah. It's such a clever idea. Mm. Baker's and these old women, mm -hmm. old men who are just like people who nobody suspects are capable of doing much in terms of the war, but they are making really mm. important contributions. They're really doing some things that are that are really powerful. And so they're letting their light shine in their own way, mm. even though you can't mm -hmm. really see them. They're behind the scenes. Yes. Uh, you know, in terms of their communities and stuff, they're doing things kind of, they're hiding, you know, mm -hmm. they're doing things in secret with codes and, mm -hmm. and passing messages and uh, loaves of bread mm -hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. So, so in that way, you know, you see a lot of examples of people sharing their light, letting their light so shine, but in a way that a lot of people can't see. Mm -hmm. So that was an example. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good example mm -hmm. because we really notice together that sometimes we think uh, as a society that people who don't contribute as much in the same traditional ways other do, others do that are maybe younger or more able uh, don't contribute. And instead, here you find 
purpose uh, in serving those, but also that everyone has purpose. Everyone Everybody, has a gift. Everyone. Even if they're helpless, it's a gift for yeah. somebody else to be able to serve with them. Honestly, we know that from volunteer research. Yeah. So I found that to be yeah. one of the other ironies while we're juxtaposing uh -huh. that with the Nazis saying, meanwhile, you better be perfect even to their own Hitler yes. use. Or you're getting killed or beaten up so badly to a pulp as some of the kids have oh, happened to them who were part of the Hitler Youth. Brutal. Yeah, it's oh. it's kind of graphic. You know, if you haven't seen it, you know, it's, you, you know, if you're not comfortable with that kind of thing, just be warned. You know what I mean? It's it's, 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 it's realistic. You know what I mean? They're trying to be realistic and it is. Yeah. It's not like gratuitous stuff, but it's, it's there, you know. Yeah. And there's a scene where, so there's this scene when the Gestapo come. And they are checking out Daniel LeBlanc because they suspect they see him, you know, pacing the street, counting the steps, and they think he might be working for the resistance. Or they, they tell them, why, why the heck are you counting your steps? Are you working for the resistance? He's like, no, I'm building this model of the city so that my daughter can learn her way around. And so they want to prove, oh, really? Is she really blind? And they're like so mean to her. It's so sad. They say something like, well, sorry about your loss, that she's cursed with this blindness. And he's like, no. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And he really helps her to believe that about herself and show her all the things that she can do, that she's able to do. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, it becomes a great blessing because no one would ever suspect her because she's blind. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And she's able to use this braille, which the, the soldiers can't understand, but mm -hmm. she can. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's really amazing how here's another example how god uses the weak in this world you know to mm -hmm. what some people might think are the foolish or the simple to confound the wise and the strong you know mm -hmm. it's it's really a beautiful example it's yeah it's awesome it is yeah. it's a beautiful portrayal of that and i'm so glad you caught that and had some yeah. different even thoughts about that afterwards because it's the kind of uh i hope uh piece that you will also have a sense of just this is lasting this is going to make me dig deeper chew on it. when we watch a movie or a tv show i chew on it for like days i just will think about it on my commute and stuff and yes one, um, of, the, one of the things that came to mind is the way she is using the radio Mm -hmm. Well, first the radio blessed her mm -hmm. and Wernig and um, did I say his name right? Werner. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the professor. <laughs> Wernig. Yeah. <laughs> Wernie. Whatever. So, so the professor reaches both of them with the uh, with the radio show, mm -hmm. and then she gets to use that same radio to reach out. Mm -hmm. to speak out and share light with whoever happens to be listening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, radio waves are actually part of the electromagnetic spectrum. Yes. I was going to ask you that yeah. question too, because I wanted you to talk to us about that because yeah. that was what first got me as I was studying physics. I think I shared it on this podcast before with Jack, but I was sharing with my son about the electromagnetic spectrum spectrum and they were like oh there's so much light we can't see and then i'm like all the light we can't see yes <laughs> uh -huh. so tell us about that yeah much better with this oh topic. dude i geeked out on that when i was thinking about it so it's yeah um there's radiation is electromagnetic energy and it it, it has a whole wide spectrum so it goes it goes from you know they they range 
based on the size of their wavelength, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? So radio waves are huge, giant waves. Some of the waves are literally hundreds of meters long mm -hmm. through the wavelength, you know? Mm -hmm. And those are the kinds of waves they were probably using back then in the old days. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you have smaller and smaller, like we use for FM radio. And then it goes to like uh, infrared and then red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, like the color spectrum mm -hmm. is really tiny, narrow band. Mm -hmm. And then, and then there's violet and then ultraviolet, which is like radiation. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, other forms of radiation, you know, like x-rays and mm -hmm. gamma rays, which are super tiny mm -hmm. and super high radiation, you know, mm -hmm. but all of those are essentially light. They're all forms of light. We only see a really tiny, tiny, narrow band in the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. All the rest is invisible to us, mm -hmm. you know, but it is light that we cannot see. Mm. And the radio waves were light that no one could see, but that was being used mm. to move the whole story along. Mm. You know, everything was, was around that. It's such a really awesome idea. Yeah. And also the fact that communications like we're doing now can make a difference. All these places where we can give hope to each other. So keep listening to the mm -hmm. things that serve you in the way that will help you to serve others, not just serve you, but help you to serve others. Um, you might feel like you're in a big machine this year with all of the elections, but the truth is there are little pieces of light. And I know that's what Anthony Dewar wanted from the book is he's like, I want every life to matter and they do matter. And each yes. one, however humble it is, he said, it matters. And mm -hmm. that is just a beautiful message we can bring to our marriages. Yeah. And um, we're going to talk more about that on Wednesday. We're going to talk about bringing humility into marriage mm -hmm. um, because I think that's a very big key for how we can get along better as couples. Yeah. Werner talks about shame. The German Hitler youth who is the uh, male protagonist in a way. Wernick? Um, <laughs> Werner wanted to be a scientist more than anything else. And later he said, ambition and shame can become inextricably linked in relationship if we forget people in the process. Yeah, I think when it, you think of ambition, like it's a selfish goal, you know, mm -hmm. selfish ambition is what comes to mind, you know, like mm -hmm. some ambition is, is good if you're trying to move up so that you can provide better for your family or something. But, mm -hmm. but if you are stepping on people to get up to the top, mm -hmm. you know, that's not good. Then it's shameful mm -hmm. when you are pursuing your goals uh, to the detriment of others, like regardless of how it affects others. Mm -hmm. you know, using others to get there, yeah. Um, then you are doing, you're being shameful, you know, and you're, you're mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what he's talking about. They're one and the same when you, when you try to pursue it in the wrong way, you know, mm -hmm. the ends don't justify the means might be another way yeah. to put it. Yeah. That reminds yeah. me of the Good Samaritan story where somebody's too busy in their ambition, whatever it is, to see the problem right before them. Yeah. And just mm -hmm. uh, that's one of many examples that we can use of like, okay, you know, social group think can take over. And, you know, we know from psychological studies and social psychology that um, the more people that there are to disperse blame, the less likely we feel personally responsible to help. Mm. And I think this story reminds us of that with what happened to our world mm -hmm. in World War II, that it was like, they're not my problem. You know, a lot of the evils that came out of World War II, we can see now looking back, were because people were having selfish ambition, maybe even with things that are socially acceptable. You know, like, I don't want to uh, sacrifice, you know, being embarrassed by standing up and saying, I don't agree with this or that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and 
Um, so if, you know, good men do nothing, then evil gets to win, you know, and evil will take over and, and conquer. And so mm -hmm. maybe that was another way he was saying it, you know, mm -hmm. is that mm -hmm. if we don't stop and, and think about who's affected by this, um, even, even like you said, the Good Samaritan, who's being affected by by me not taking notice of them because I'm pursuing my ambition. Mm. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would imagine you see that a lot in your work with the elderly as well. Just it's, it's all over in different cultures, yeah. different people huh. groups, that there's so many people that are not seen. Um, and I think we all have to be mindful of how mm -hmm. we leave some margin in our lives to do something. Yeah. Like with respect to medicine, like you said, I definitely see that with, I, I take care of mostly elderly patients in family practice. And so I have so many coming in after going to the emergency room or to see a specialist. And so many of them, they didn't get a lot of good attention. They didn't get a very thorough workup mm. or treatment plan. They were just kind of like checked out really quick and then dismissed as soon as possible. Mm. And I'm not saying anything against people who work in emergency rooms because they're amazing. They're mm -hmm. heroes everybody's different. You know, not every single provider you see is going to take the time to give you the very best care that you deserve. And I'm just saying statistically, like if the older you are, the older that a person is, like if somebody's in their late eighties, um, it, it seems like sometimes they're looked at like, well, there's not a lot at risk here. I probably have a very low risk of getting sued. If something happened to this person, they're already about to die anyways. Mm -hmm. So we'll just do, you know, the bare minimum and get going, you know, that kind of a, without thinking about seeing every single person as made in the image of God and therefore worthy of our very best every single time. Yes. Um, and I know you do that. You often certainly try. do that. And sometimes on our walks, it's so precious. You'll be like, crying, near crying, because you care so much about that these elderly. To be shared. <laughs> no, but seriously, I love that about him where he's actually so uh, seriously caring really about these super cases, elderly really people that you're like, I want I them know. to get the best care. Well, some of them are like my grandmas and grandpas. It's like, yeah. I've been seeing these people for almost 10 years. Yeah. It's so hard. Every month or so. And yeah. you get really close, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's a very Great privilege to yeah. be let into their lives like that. I have like hundreds of grandmas and grandpas, and mm -hmm. I love that about my job. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I know a lot of ER docs feel that way too. So. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. You were just saying that's one example where it could be seen and you have seen it happen. Yes. Reality is right. real. We've yeah. seen it. Um, another place I saw it was with, uh, I often take time to go through my parents' dialogues. And I shared on my sub stack a poem written by my dad last week. But what I didn't share, um, there's so much. It's so overwhelming to know how and when and what to share. But um, my mom wrote this piece on her mental health stay. And it was so bad because she's mm -hmm. like, all the orderlies, if they took a liking to you, you might have gotten a little attention. But she was thrown in a room, um, naked, um, in isolation. Yeah. Um, no. It was so dehumanizing. And seven years later, she was writing a an essay for me to share. It wasn't like a, a journal. It was, this is my treatment that she'd sent in to try to get maybe even published. I don't know, but she was clearly writing it out and typing it out so that we would all see it. Um, and it's so that's why I'm sharing it. Um, she was like, yeah. I don't have my self-esteem back after mm -hmm. seven years yeah. because they took such from me. So mm -hmm. I think it's a reminder for all of us, like group effect is very, very real yeah. and we have to be aware of it. You know, we're all, if we're honest, we're all capable of becoming monsters like those soldiers in the Gestapo were, God forbid. But if we allowed ourselves to go down that track for long enough, you know, it's that potential's in there. But and we have to work hard 
to prevent even the inkling, even the the slightest hint uh, of that kind of, you know, apathy and neglect and, you know, um, blindness to the light that those people carry, you know, that every single person you encounter carries to, to have eyes that see that and to, to be strengthening that in yourself so that, so that, you, you know, we can prevent anything like that from ever happening again. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I really, um, I know everyone listening is remarking with us about stories that you have in your life when you've seen it happen or you've gotten too busy. And so we're all reminded together about not missing the light uh, that we can bring, not missing the light we can see in others, even if we've at times thought that mm -hmm. they might not have much worth, just being reminded everyone mm -hmm. has worth, everyone is part of the story. Yeah. And this includes your spouse, oddly enough, this is often <laughs> the place where we discard it the most. Um, but let me ask There's you- the light there, even if you time. don't feel like you can see it. <laughs> right? Um, and that's why I stick around for one as I talk about humility um, in marriage and why that's so important. Um, but on our um, our last big question before we get to just super quick typing, because it's not really about Enneagram typing today, but we did want to type a few little um, just oh, ideas of to. personality. Um, but final theme that I really wanted to talk about today is in the book and the show, they talk about how Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea um, is uh, the book that she's reading to hide codes in. And it certainly has a lot to do with the setting of San Malo. Just they're always at the ocean where the book is set as well. And there's secret codes being passed, just like these underwater emissions in uh, Jules Verne, which was a book that I read years back, if you remember. And I think you did well. Um, but I guess I wondered when we hear from Anthony Dewar about why he added this in, he says it's because this was her escape. Hmm. And um, reading this book was her escape during a terrible time. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people love to read. Um, others chose music. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it lulled them in bad ways where they just listened to music and it dulled them away from what was important. So I was going to ask you, what do you feel like is helpful for you and maybe others like your patients you've recommended when they're going through something stressful and you don't mm -hmm. want to dull them away from caring? Yeah, no, that's really good. That's good. You know, what's so funny is I just thought of this while you were talking about it that when the pandemic hit mm -hmm. uh, and we were all forced to isolate at home mm -hmm. and everything was shut down, I read Jules Verne's Around the World in 80 Days. That's funny. Because I was like, I'm not able to go out and travel anywhere. <laughs> you know, we're all forced to stay home. So I'm going to uh, travel around the world with Jules Verne. And it was a really fun, huh. yeah, book. It's it's really a good book. And then I got to watch the the movie afterwards with Jackie Chan. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sure that was funny. Yeah. But, but yeah, reading is such a great escape, such a great stress reliever. Oh, definitely. For for me myself, I mean, we we really love outdoor stuff and I love to go hiking. I love being out in the mountains. I love it. I love being in the woods, mm -hmm. in trails. And mm -hmm. so we try to schedule that into our lives like, mm -hmm. you know, three to four times a year if possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and we go out west or we go up north or something and we try to find some cool place to go hiking. And, mm -hmm. and, and so part of the escape day to day, since I'm not able to do that every day, is just thinking about it. You know, honestly, I, I have a rate, I have a Pandora playlist mm. of songs that are about being out West or about hiking or about being, you know, out camping. Mm -hmm. And we listen to them when we go out West and stuff like that, the mm -hmm. same songs. And so when I, you know, how music's so powerful, it just transports you. That was in the, that was in the movie too. Claire de Lune, mm -hmm. that amazing, beautiful piece mm -hmm. uh, was a way that they escaped. Yes. 
when there was chaos around them during the war, they would close their eyes with their headphones on and listen to that amazing song. And uh, so I think that's that's one of the ways I escape day to day. Like when I'm at work, I have, you know, very busy schedule, sometimes very tough patience. And when I'm sitting in there charting, I have uh, my phone, you know, with music playing and and on will come. You know, Pierre Gregory, Alan Isaacov. Alan Isaacov and um, Lord Huron and um, these other ones that, that make me think about being out West. And uh, so it helps me to escape. That's cool. Get out of, I just love get that. that feeling, you know, like Yes. I could just close my eyes and picture the Grand Tetons and, you know, being in Yellowstone and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it's great. I love that you use Yeah. imagery and I think that really Yeah. helps you uh, as a very, you're a very visual type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's so cool. I love it. I need it. You do. I need more like mental um, and I need the visual too. Um, I don't get away as much as you do to um, vacation, but, but I do like our trips every year. And then I also love my woods out in the backyard. So I love to, uh, we picked a home that had woods near it um, because that's so big for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. especially me. He likes the straight path as I've talked about. <laughs> that sounds bad. I think it's a straight path too. Because it's right and <laughs> but I like the woods. They're messy. They're unpredictable. Yes, <laughs> I like it too. and Hannah's always like, mom, like the other day I was jogging in the woods and she's like, where are you? And I was like in the woods jogging and she was like, are you home yet? And I'm like, no, get off the, the call. Like, Because I think I need that release sometimes just to get away from it all. So I think everyone has to find their way out um, to get back in for a bit. And I did see the characters, even the protagonists, trying to do that. Um, and I think that France is a very decadent nation. And so that was part of the messaging I took from the book. If we were to give a uh, an archetype, and I hear this said sometimes of France, that it was a very four-ish nation. Um, so there you know, were always moments for trying to still hit up the bakery or have delicious omelets and... Uh, you know, Prioritize really that. prioritize Yeah, you see that quality. in the in the series. Yep. Yeah, Mm relationships, -hmm. of food, of experiences. Remember that line when um the sister says to the brother, she says, Don't you want to live before you die? Remember Yes, that? Manak, He yeah. had been like uh, agoraphobic for 20 years, just sitting in the house, this guy who had PTSD from war, World War One. And so she's trying to get him to go out, go to the ocean, go see it, you know, go to the bakery again. You've been holed up in here for all this time. And and so uh, the girl, she convinces him finally to go, you know, and it's a really beautiful thing. But um, that's an example. It's like you, even no matter how bad it is, no matter how hellish, you know, your life might be, you got to find, even if it's the smallest, simplest thing, you know, that you can just focus on, savor and enjoy just for a little piece of sanity. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Uh, something that's not going to be too unhealthy for you, you know, <laughs> but, but that is, um, but that is just a little, little tiny slice of heaven, you know, to, to, to get you by uh, while you're going through hell. And I think we all really need to fight for that. They did that well in the series and um, we should do that for each other as couples, you know, sometimes you're going through a whole lot more than I am and vice versa. And we need to, to help each other, maybe, maybe help each other to see the light better that we aren't seeing, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Yes.
you know? And we need community when we're not seeing it together yeah. because sometimes that's when I think couples and marriages break down. And yeah. we've just heard about two different ones in our, our small circle of couple, marriages breaking down. And I think that that happens all the time throughout our, you know, if you've been married any number of years, you've seen some of your couple friends not make it. And I don't want to have any judgment toward them. I just want to say, I think sometimes you know, we're good at picking one another up when the one falls down. Mm -hmm. But I think when we both hit it together, we have to have community help us. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah, important that's for all of us. Yeah. And that's why I do this podcast. That's why you are so social with friendships. Yeah. I got a lot of friends. We're really active in our church. I have a small group I'm part of, and mm -hmm. um, it's really important to build community, you know, mm -hmm. people who are like-minded, who, who are positive, who are going to bring you up, keep lifting you up even when you're down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I got a, a buddy who just reached out by text this morning. Mm -hmm. They're really having a hard time in their marriage. <clears throat> and so we're going to have breakfast. Mm -hmm. We're oh. going to lift each other up. I'm and I'm going to try to help him to mm -hmm. see some of the light that he cannot see right now. You know, try, try to try to point it out to him. Yes, that's so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the pieces. That's one of the layers of a good, healthy support system is when you're both down, you need people to help you back up. Mm. Um, but lastly, there's one more piece before we um, get into the typing. Sometimes it's like the one thing you have left is your freedom to choose whether you'll love somebody or be selfish and get out of pain. Um, and I know that as a seven, of course, mm. that's something sevens sort of try to avoid. And I think that one of my favorite parts of the book was when her father was, spoiler, being tortured. Mm. Um, they said, you know, the Nazi over him said, you know, I had to go to him at his end and see would he rather be tortured or give you up and he would not give his daughter up. So I killed him. And that was a good model for me, like laying one's life down for one's friends and like really loving people so much that you would actually have pain is um, part of it all. And yes, I want you to get self-care, et cetera, like you just said. Mm -hmm. But I do think that um, one irony of the book and movie is that when um, the male protagonist, the German Hitler youth, Werner, who rises up to become one of the Nazi unfortunate leaders, even though he doesn't want to, he does end up killing a lot of people and doing a lot of destructive things. And mm -hmm. at the end, when he finally does something good, he allows himself to realize maybe I've never really lived and made a choice about my life until now. And even though it was a choice that would ultimately lead to his death, I mean, indirectly, it was a better way of living. He's like, oh my gosh, I just made a choice outside of my political sphere mm -hmm. to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I made a choice and that felt so good. That was really living for him. Yeah. So making good choices, you might be the only one in your family, the only one in your community, the only one in your marriage, but make a healthy choice yeah. because you will never regret that freedom of doing what you knew was right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That And that takes a lot of strength. I mean, that is, especially if you've become deeply entrenched in a, in a group, in a culture, in a, in a social, you know, group like that, it's, it could be very powerful, very persuasive. And to overcome that or to overcome like real deep, you know, habits that we have of thinking or, or behavior you know, that are not healthy, that's, that's really, really difficult. And sometimes it takes like supernatural power to overcome it because it's just, it's just so strong, you know, and mm -hmm. that's why we um, have 12 step groups and people like you helping people with yeah. medications as needed. Yeah. Medication can be God, helpful. Yeah. Counseling. Yeah. And God, you know, and, um, in the, in the movie, they do a really good job of showing this almost miraculous ability to overcome that and to be willing to to sacrifice you know your own life in order to 
to help this girl. And it's really, it's incredible. It's so beautiful. Yes. Oh my gosh. It It's, is. it's really beautiful. I mean, there's, there's not much more beautiful than that kind of a transformation in somebody, Mm. you know, Yes. Oh my gosh. it's, Oh, oh, you have to see it. You have to read it or see it, um, depending on your time frame. So we're going to type five people briefly and we'll each give our opinions um, on these five. And they are the dad, Daniel LeBlanc, then Marie Lore, the female protagonist, then Werner, the male protagonist, then Uncle Etienne, the uh, radio owner. And then we have his sister. Professor. Yeah. He's also called the professor. And then his sister, Madame Manek. We'll start with Madame Manek. Madame Manek. Okay, so I'm just going to take a stab in the dark and then you tell me what is the real answer. No, I, I'm sure. not. No, it's okay. I love, I love sitting with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to guess maybe she's a, a nine wing one. Just guessing, you know, Yeah. she's really, uh, she's very comforting. She's, you know, really loving and supportive as a, as like a, a motherly role in the house. And, um, but yet she's very smart and she's very resourceful and well-organized, very well-organized needs to be like a, like a nine wing one, you know, so that she
he he comes up with a plan. We need to get out of this city now. He sees it early, you know. Mm -hmm. He he thinks quickly about what can we do with these these jewels and this big stone and where do we go? Like this makes me think six, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. somebody who's ready with a plan, who's who's organized with with that. Mm -hmm. They're in charge of the kind of like the security for the museum, mm -hmm. the, the 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 keys the for everything. Yeah, good point. And um, and yet he's so brave in standing up for his daughter, being mm -hmm. willing to, you know, sacrifice himself like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's all the good things about sixes that I know. Their loyalty, yeah, bravery, mm -hmm. uh, and yet they're they're not like fearful, but but thoughtful about mm -hmm. serious things that could happen and having a plan ready. Yeah, and I think that you're that. right with his. Uh, the ability to adapt very quickly and to be social is very six. Uh, they're part of the dependency triad mm -hmm. and they will lean on others as mm -hmm. needed. And he went to a house where his uncle lived um, with his sister, mm -hmm. Madame Menek, and he said, we need help. I'm here. But mm -hmm. he also had, like you said, his own layered mm -hmm. work and part of the story. Now, I think this is a human layer that we haven't talked much about and we won't take much time on. But I do think he had a fatal flaw that he couldn't necessarily let go of the jewel of France. I think he was trying to be dependent on the country and hold this huge burden of this huge jewel. But I think his daughter was able to let the stone go appropriately later, whereas he wasn't able to. So I think that there was a bit of greed um, wrapped into it too, just a little bit. That's his only flaw is he was holding that jewel. And it was like, yeah. for those who aren't familiar with Lord of the Rings, I have to throw in, it was a little bit like holding the yeah, ring. The, yeah, um, that was the one part I was like, why did you do this to this really good World War II historical piece to add in this fantasy but it was fun it was a little bit fun to yeah. do that but anyway i thought he held it wasn't on. just it wasn't just that he wanted it for himself right. he was saying yeah. for france right this is i know the most valuable treasure in all of france mm -hmm. we have to do this for france right you know? that's so, what i mean the nationalistic love of france like it was He's a little a bit yes you know? that's what i mean the six was definitely seen yeah. <laughs> so we could argue all yeah. day should he have done that? and he's able to make those models like yeah. how many sixes you know that are really good at making models yeah very detailed making, building legos yeah you know, so true like doing that kind of have thing. a six that's... wing yeah exactly yes. huge okay <laughs> so we've got him locked in locked in okay that was so dorky um all right go ahead and type maybe oh, my two favorite characters i think he's my favorite it's hard to say but why don't you type warner warning i'm gonna give you stop that actor was so good he's good you're gonna probably see him in a lot of movies he was an excellent actor yeah he has such a hard story oh my goodness he starts off as this guy who's like he's he's literally a genius at building uh radios this, you know, and, he, and he's and he's like obsessed with them, always working on them and stuff. So this makes me think not as much like four-ish mm -hmm. type of a person or or a three or a two. I mean, he seems to me more like a, a five or a six in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He He's also someone who really appreciates the professor's mm -hmm. broadcasts. Mm -hmm. uh, he loves to listen to the music and to rem he remembers his his poetic artistic expressions about all the light we cannot see and all of the other beautiful things that he says. Mm -hmm. And um, so in that sense, it makes me feel like he's he's really a heart type. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I know this sounds very similar to to the other guy, but to me, to me, it sounds a lot like he's probably a a like a five wing four. You know, mm -hmm. that, that sounds like maybe maybe he's supposed to be maybe he's like like a protege of the professor because you see that in the show yes and he calls like him his, his father yeah. he said yeah, that's my father said, that's i my never father. knew him right yeah 
So, so he wants to be like him mm-hmm. and they have very similar stories in that they're both, you know, really great at the radio and they're both, they both <laughs> really appreciate these other ways of using the radio. Yeah. So maybe that's, maybe that's intentional. They're, they're mm-hmm. both very similar. Yeah, I think it is. That's a great reminder. And also it's a great reminder to anybody who maybe didn't have a great relationship listening with your father um, or anybody here yeah. because uh-huh. or mother where you can find people to mentor you in your community yeah. um, and, and really allow yourself to be blessed by them like he was by him. That's yes. so cool yes. because he didn't have anybody. And so he yeah. needed to rely on a voice Thank he'd God. never um, yeah. known on the radio. But the truth was he did get to know him later. Yes. Um, and we were giving it all away. So don't worry. Yeah. Um, you have. <laughs> You'll still love watching it because you already heard if him say- If you haven't seen it- I already told him everything before he even saw it. And he loved right. It. Um, exactly. So, okay. Now our I final- had to see it for myself. <laughs> you had to see it. Okay. So, um, but this is about all the light we can't see. But anyway, so now we're going to do the main character, Marie-Laure LeBlanc. Marie. And I had her as a type four. How type about four? You? Okay. Yes. Well, she is- such a uh, beautiful soul, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. who is really, really listening to people, mm-hmm. really trying to to really savor everything. You can tell. You can mm-hmm. just see that as part of who she mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, the way she savors oysters, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the way she talks about the sounds of the ocean, mm-hmm. you know, in this really artistic way, like it sounds like, like someone sighing or something, mm-hmm. she says, like someone breathing mm-hmm. in and out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, throughout the whole movie, she does that. Those are all like, to me, like very four qualities, you know? Yeah. She she makes really deep connections with everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, she wants to go there mm-hmm. in all of the conversations mm-hmm. and talk about feelings and and why, you know, people uh, feel the way they do about things like like her uncle, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like like our four, our daughters she could just get right through. <laughs> you know, and win, win, win him over right away. And, and she won him over. And, and so I think that's a really great assessment. Hmm, I'm yeah. so glad. And I think uh, she represents sort of the heart of France in that way that she. The heart um, of France. Yeah, yeah. She really has a beautiful, decadent, huh. creative heart yes. that deserves being protected. And uh, wow. oh my gosh, it's just. That's good, Chris. Things that people would shame. She will show you. Don't shame. Mm. Don't shame mm-hmm. people. It was good. Thank you so much for walking through this with me, Wes. I fun. can't thank you enough. This I love is the kind of thing I could think about all day. So yes. I'm glad for you guys to be with us too on this episode. Please let me know what you think of it or if you agree with our typing yes. or any other insights you got from this. Oh my gosh, I wish we could just do a book club on this. We can't. We don't have the time, <laughs> but I would Watch if I Watch the series, yes. read the book. Mm-hmm. Even just uh, pull it up on Pandora, or Spotify, and listen to oh, the soundtrack, the soundtrack while epic. you're while you're doing something. You know, while you're doing your paperwork or your chores or whatever it is, it's it's beautiful. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank and you maybe maybe we'll see you another time. Yes. I hope you'll come back and do another episode with us when we find something let, else. Keep keep shining your lights out there, people. Let it let it glow. Thank you guys so much for taking part in this episode as you analyze with us how characters and evil and good all form. Try to make a plan in your mind for something good you're going to do this week. And think about you and your partner, how you have these two circles of influence and what you're good at. And try to think of a way that those circles can become a bit concentric and line up to where you guys can share something together. I think that is a beautiful gift when we can work as a team like those did uh, in, in the story in the 
French resistance and in real life. And I just want you to be able to have that too, where you are not just one cog, but that you're working together with others to make an even more beautiful display of goodness out there. We need it. So thank you so much. Know we have our glow guides. If you ever need a clue about how your pairs work together or my book, The Enneagram and Marriage, Your Guide to Thriving Together and Your Unique Pairing, make sure you check out the show notes for the free Ennea Summit. And thank you so much for joining for this episode today. It meant the world. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as enneagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.